Today's bottom line. A Christian's life is predicated on the choice that they make about the nature which they permit to have dominion. The, na the nature of the flesh that we are born with, or the one which comes from the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit. While many Christians understand that the flesh has an evil side to it, they do not realize it also contains a good side. Because of this, only their evil is given to God, and the so-called good remains within them. For they do not understand that God commands death of all of our flesh and nature. A command which comes for he knows that permitting any part of it to remain, even that which is good, will prevent the spirit from returning to its rightful place in our lives as the thing which has dominion and control. So my bottom line comes from the fact that I've been reading The Spiritual Man, which is a book by Watchman Nee. I've been reading it since last September. And I shamefully admit I'm only maybe one-fifth of the way through it, and it's several hundred pages long. And especially consider the fact that I can read through a fanfiction with a word count of 300,000 in a few short weeks. It makes me feel like I'm completely slacking off. Now, in my defense, the book is thorough and something you can't breeze through without feeling like you missed something. And when I first had this broadcast listed in my plans, I'd labeled it as Make a Choice. Serve the spirit or serve the flesh. But I felt God leading me to give it the current title of simple but profound. Watchman Nee in his book uses simple sentences to explain profound principles. And that's something interesting. If you've read the post, sorry, what I mean to say is, and his subject of what makes a spiritual man is very interesting and I highly recommend you get the book. Now, if you've read the post Prayer and Fasting Part 1 from the beginning of this year, then you will see they've talked about this book in short there. So this isn't some new book to the broadcast. I'm most likely going to be referencing it here and there as I go along in the book, and part of me feels like I'm going to need to read that one more time after I finish it currently, before I can give a proper review on it. However, the most recent chapters that I've read are dealing with the topic that I mentioned in the bottom line of this podcast. That is, the need to execute the judgment of death on our fleshly and our fleshly nature. In these more recent chapters of what I've read so far, I might make some progress from the time of this broadcasting as I wrote it, which was on February 27th, and now I'm recording it on March 1st. Hopefully I make some progress in reading through the book, then, since you've listened to this from the point of me recording this, anyhow, Ni has been looking at the Galatian church up until this point to give us an understanding of the two different natures and how they can impact us. So, Galatia is an example of Christians who first started in the power of the Holy Spirit and obedience to God, but then they quit doing so. He points to Galatians 3.3, as the reason for this, which asks them, why are they trying to do by the power of the flesh what was started by the power of the spirit? On a completely separate note, I will say that the book of Galatians is only six chapters long, and you can read one chapter per day to discuss it, to digest it. I'm going super fast, I'm skimming over the script, because I'm very excited. So, I've got to say to myself, slow down, slow down. Don't let your excitement keep you from reading it properly. So, 
that's just all my quirks are going to learn. So as I was saying, Galatians is a short book in the New Testament. Only six chapters, and you can read one per day to let you digest it internally and really come to an understanding of it. And if you're doing a Bible study, which is a weekly event, and you're doing one chapter to per week that you meet up, you'll be able to have the full book on your mind for context as you capture each of the individual chapters. Currently, my fiance and I are going two or three chapters per week in Job. And that book is 42 chapters long. So we're going to be there for maybe 10 weeks. If we don't have life events, like sickness, which happened a few weeks ago, that required us to put off our meeting that week. And this is just my shameless way of saying, I highly encourage you to read the Bible on your own. The worst thing that can happen is instead of wasting your time with one worthless thing, so you can spend it on something that will benefit you later on in life. Now, let's return to our main subject for the day, at the end of my little PSA. So one of Nee's many insights from his book is that our flesh is not incapable of doing good, but that it's different from when we do good under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I think John Bevere did something similar with his book, Good or God. I haven't read that book, so I can't say for certain, but I do think it's good to see that truths like that haven't been forgotten. What Nee is saying in my current section, which is Volume 1, Part 2, Chapter 5, that the believer needs to have an attitude of hatred towards their flesh. He's not talking about our bodies. He's talking about the nature that we are born with. The reason for the hatred being needed is that it is our flesh that is sinful and in rebellion against God. Should we only surrender the obviously simple part, then the so-called good part will lead to a return of the simple part. And thus we are once again made slaves to our flesh and to sin. When we are made Christians, we are meant to remain slave we are not meant to remain slaves to those things in our lives. We may have a remaining desire for them, but we are not to indulge in them. The power to overcome and put to death these things comes by acknowledging the work of Christ on the cross. One thing that need points out is the event of the is that the event of the cross is a fact. By becoming a Christian, your flesh has been crucified, and it cannot go deep any deeper than that. But as an experience where the fact comes alive, manifesting itself in how you live, can continue to grow. He even ventures to ask the question of what would happen if poor Christians let the simple fact that the Holy Spirit dwells within them truly sink in. Galatians 5, chapters 5, sorry, I misread that. Again, I'm super excited. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17, addresses the fact that the spirit and the flesh are contrary natures. If you're reading this, and you feel like it's similar to what's written in Romans chapter 7 and 8, then you're not wrong, for, then you're not wrong. For both of these letters were written by Paul. As I write this, Sorry, I'm just caught up as I'm reading this. I realized I need to make a few adjustments to the editing. Sorry, anyways. Uh, now you get to see my um, personality quirks show up again. As I was saying, Paul wrote both of these books. And one of the things I'm starting to wonder as I have been reading through scripture and the writings of Paul is, has God had Paul say the same thing in many different ways 
so that we, the church, would have a greater understanding of certain subjects like this one. In Galatians 5, verses 7-9, Paul says, You are running so well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, the issue that the Galatian church had was that they had started out with the gospel and even received the Holy Spirit's baptism. But, they were later tricked into believing that salvation was earned through obeying the Mosaic laws. Romans ties into this because Paul explains to the church there that the purpose of the law was to simply reveal the sin and the need for someone who could do better than ourselves could not do. Sorry, I said that wrong. The purpose of the law was to simply reveal sin and our need for someone to do what we could not do on our own. In Romans, he goes on to explain that this is the reason why Jesus was sent, to be the one who was able to be in the likeness of sinful flesh, and thus through him put to death so that the Spirit could bring resurrection and new life. Our flesh is deceitful and will attempt to trick us into thinking that we don't have any need for God, obeying his commands, or even operating in his power, making us believe that our own goodness, and I say that in quotation marks, is enough. When that attitude, one which closely resembles that of the Pharisees as I think about it, establishes itself, it hinders us from being led by God and understanding him properly through the building of that pride. It's here that the door becomes open for sin to walk right back into our lives and take over again, something which ought not to happen in the Christian life. We may stumble, but it's not meant to take over and bring us back into bondage. At the start of the spiritual man, Washington Mani points it out that there are many who say they're Christian but don't have the fruit of the Spirit that comes from his growing in our lives. It's in these chapters that Ni established that there is something missing from a life that isn't victorious over sin, and throughout the rest of this book, he has been working to establish an understanding of the two natures that fight for control in our lives, along with what we need to do to live in victory. That's my short little review of the book, and I'm not finished with it. There are most likely a few more volumes left in it before I'm finished. Maybe I'll be two-fifths instead of one-fifth by the time this broadcast goes live. But until then, courage and Godspeed, and seek God's power to live in victory over sin.